Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Well, this message, Tell Me More, is uh, originally the idea was that we would, basically anything you would possibly want to know, any questions you would want to ask about relationships, whether it was parenting or marriage or friendships or mentors or all that type of thing. And as we got into this marriage uh, segment, the Lord has been speaking to me very strongly in these last seven or eight months that we have existed as Oaks Church, the number one thing that I've seen is marriages under significant attack. All different churches go through different things. All different churches have different uh, situations going on inside of them. The number one thing that I have personally experienced watching as a pastor looking over a congregation is that marriages are under attack inside of this church. The enemy wants to destroy your home. He wants to rip your household apart. It's his original agenda, and I'll show you that in Scripture. I'll explain that to you. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about intimacy in marriage. The title of this is Marriage God's Way. I mentioned last week that we were going to talk about sex. Uh, I told you if you have small children, put them in children's church. If you have teenagers, make sure they're here. I have a 10-year-old that's in service, and I'm not going to say anything that she couldn't hear. Jennifer and I are very open with our children. Uh, We don't lie to them about where babies come from. It's not a stork. Okay, um, we, it's important that you tell your children the truth. Our, our rule is if they're old enough to ask, they're old enough to hear the truth in an appropriate way. That's our rule. So we're going to talk about things, okay? Um, but I got to tell you, this is a topic that is, is, is uh, risky, and it makes me a little nervous, and it may make you nervous. It may make you nervous to even hear the word sex in church. See? But I'm going to do something a little different. See, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And as a youth pastor, sex is the number one thing you talk about. Because it's the number one thing kids are thinking about, right? And so, but it's a really easy message. As a youth pastor, it's just one message. Don't do it. With anybody else or yourself. That's the message when you're a youth pastor, right? Just don't do it. It's not time yet. Wait. Keep the kitchen closed. The Bible says don't ignite the fire of passion before it's time. We'll walk through this. We used to have, we literally had a, a sexual wheel of fortune. And we would pull kids up on stage and spin the wheel of fortune. Congratulations, you got chlamydia. Come on down. You're going to burn an itch and can't go to the bathroom for weeks. This is going to be wonderful. We did that kind of stuff in youth ministry. Congratulations, you're pregnant with twins. You're no longer going to that Ivy League school. Your whole life is put on hold and you won't sleep for three years. It's a little different in marriage. A lot at stake. Guys, there's a whole lot at stake. There's a whole lot at stake in your marriage. It's not just about you. It's not just about your happiness. It's about a legacy. It's about the work of God in your life. There's a lot at stake. I've battled for this message today. And and the Lord spoke to me. I had a whole message planned. Yesterday morning the Lord spoke to me and it was so profound in my journal. I spent all day yesterday recreating and rewriting the message for you today. Um, 
I'm not going to give you my opinions. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm literally going to, what the Lord spoke to me in my journal was so profound, I'm literally just going to go through my journal point by point of what the Lord said to me. Because what matters is that you hear what he says about marriage and intimacy and sex and what the word of God says, not what my opinion is. Amen? Amen? So can we all just take a deep breath? There's no wheel of fortune. We're going to go to God's word. Can I show you a couple of scriptures? The number one scripture I want to read to you is found in John chapter 17. This was the prayer that Jesus prayed right before he was taken captive and was on his way to his death. He prayed a specific prayer, and this is what he said, John 17, 21. This is the New Living Translation. I pray that they all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us that the world may believe you sent me. The number one thing on God's heart is that God wants us to be one. He wants us to be unified as his people, as his children, as husbands and wives, as sons and daughters. He wants us to be one. Unity and oneness in him is the number one thing on his heart. We read this verse last week, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, 2, or 31, 2 and 3. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is the agenda of God. I want them to be one. This is a great mystery because it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The idea, the image, the picture, the design that God has is for husbands and wives to be one. And marriage is a picture of God himself. That's what this scripture says. That when he's talking about marriage, a husband and a wife coming together and becoming one, he's saying it's a picture of him. It says this is the image of Christ and his church. Christ being the groom, the church being the bride, and God being in the center. This is the picture of the Godhead. This is the picture of, Jesus, of, of the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church is described in the earth as a mother that cares for and tends to and takes care of God's people. The church is the expression of the Holy Spirit in the earth. That's what we are. That's who we are. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we are the expression of the mothering quality of God in the earth to God's people. He wants us to be one. I'm going to read directly from my journal multiple times in this message. Here's the first part. This is God speaking directly to me. This may be foreign to some people, but this is a relationship that I've cultivated with God over the last 20 some odd years. Um, I have a habit. It's the number one most important habit that I have in my life. On a regular basis, it's not necessarily daily, it's sometimes weekly, but most often it's every couple of days. I will sit down, I have journal after journal after journal, um, and I literally write my prayers to God. I express everything that's going on in my heart to God. I write it all out. 
Well, he already knows. I know he already knows. But it's so cathartic. It's so therapeutic to express it all to him. And then I ask him to speak to me. And I write down word for word what I feel like he's saying. And then I take what I feel like he's saying and I judge it against what the scriptures actually say to make sure that it aligns with what he actually says. And I live my life out of what he says to me in my journal. It's a relationship based on communication. Can I tell you that if we can't figure out how to communicate with each other, we can't have relationship? As husbands and wives, if we can't figure out how to talk without fighting, we can't have relationship. If we can't figure out how to communicate with our teenage kids without fighting, without blowing up, we can't have relationship. Communication is the most important thing that we have with God. And if I could have one prayer for you, it'd be that each person, every one of you, learn how to recognize God's voice, hear his voice for yourself, and develop an incredible sense of intimacy with him where you know you've heard his voice and you simply obey what he says to you. This is what he said to me. Joel, marriage is a picture of me. Intimacy between husbands and wives is a picture of intimacy with me. Did you know that in scripture, in Hebrew, the same word that's used to describe the one-on-one, face-to-face, intimate relationship that God and Moses had together, when it says that God spoke to Moses face-to-face, it's the word in Hebrew, yada. When it describes marriage in scripture and how a husband knows his wife intimately, it's the same word, yada. The relationship, this is awkward for some, but the picture of intimacy in marriage, to be able to know someone on the most intimate level, that's how God wants you to know him. It's not supposed to be weird. But it feels that way at times because of the culture that we live in and things that we've been taught. This is what he goes on to say to me. God says, I love romance. I created it. I love pursuit, pleasure, and for my children to be one. One is my goal for mankind. One is my goal for marriage. And then he spoke this to me. Becoming one is a process. Yes, when you get married, you become one in God's eyes. He sees you as one. But a husband and a wife coming together and becoming one is a process. It takes time. We have to embrace the process. The best person that you have in your life to make you a better person is typically your spouse. And sometimes sparks fly because iron sharpens iron is what the Bible says as one friend sharpens the countenance of their friend. And real conversations have to happen inside of a marriage so that iron can sharpen iron, and it's part of becoming one. Now, I recognize that there are a lot of single people in here. Great, you need to learn about this stuff. 
I know there are a lot of people in here, and I have a funny story of a, of a, a pastor that was in his 80s, and, and he would walk up to, you know, he would just walk up and hug just anybody, and I heard him on a number of times walk up, and he would be praying for somebody, he would give them a big hug, and he would say, it's okay, honey, I'm 80, all I can do is hug. Essentially, I'm not a threat to you, I'm past all of that, and that doesn't happen anymore, right? There are seasons of life. There are seasons of marriage. Everybody has something to learn from this. Oftentimes, the message that God speaks inside of a church, if you're doing this thing right, guys, if we're all doing this thing right, and I hear this all the time, people will come and say, oh my gosh, your message was exactly what God was saying to me this week. That's when you know you're doing it right. When it, when it, when it aligns with your own personal journey. If you don't have your own personal journey that you're walking through on a daily basis with God, if you're not creating daily disciplines with your relationship with him, prayer time, being in the word of God, listening to worship music, creating, if you're not doing that type of thing, then every time you come in, you may be like, oh my God, I've never heard of that before. And there may be times that you feel that way still, but if we're really doing this intimacy thing with God right, you're gonna hear on a regular basis things that absolutely go, yes, that's what the Lord's speaking to me already. Becoming one is a process. Our marriage ministry here is literally called Becoming One. And we want to help people walk through the process. The next thing the Lord said to me is simply this. He said, sex belongs to me. Sex belongs to God. Watch this in my journal. Sex is mine. It is an amazing gift I gave my children. A gift to make the bond of marriage more passionate Hot, intimate, and powerful than any other way. In the garden, I took them apart and commanded them to join back together. You ever thought about that? Mankind was in one body. Adam was in one body. Male and female was in one body. Masculine and feminine inside of one body, initially. God made man in his own image all of the, God, you understand this, right? God is one. There's not three gods. It's not the Father is God and, and Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God. No, it, they're all one. It's one God, all one God. But there's expressions, there's expressions of who he is that he releases in different ways because all of him is in one and he originally made all of mankind into one physical body and then he said, according to scripture, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he separated out the feminine. But not all of it. Portion of it. Every man. It's important that men, you are in touch with your feminine side so that you can have something in common with your spouse. Okay, I'm going to say something that's, that's right in the face of culture. I'm not afraid to say it either. Just because a little girl is more athletic and less girly does not mean that her sexuality is in question. Just because a little boy is more, is more artsy or musical and not as rough and tumble doesn't mean his sexuality is in question. It's a disgusting and a cruel agenda of the enemy to try to label a child sexually when they haven't even reached an age of having any comprehension of sexuality. The only reason I knew about sexuality as a child was because I was molested at six. My innocence was stolen from me. So I have a different experience than other people. 
because I had to battle and fight as a child for my sexual identity because of what a male had done to me. I had to fight for who God said I was. It's a battle. Children aren't supposed to know about that. They're not supposed to think about that. They're not supposed to feel any of that. There's an age of innocence that God has designed for children. And it's a wicked, wicked thing to begin to put labels on children because of different personality traits. And what happens, and as a youth pastor for 12 years, I watched this, a kid who absolutely wasn't, but because of what everyone called him, because of what the label everyone put on her, she began to question who she was, and she believed the opinions of culture over the opinion of God. Did you know that sex was God's first command to mankind? The first command God ever gave mankind. Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. The very first thing God did, he put them in the garden Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 5 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined together with his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. God put the perfect specimens in the garden, naked and unashamed, and gave them one command get busy. His number one command. See, we live in a world where the devil has tried to convince all of us that he owns sex. I flash back to my eighth grade year. Salt and Pepper had a song. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Come on, some of you know the song? Yeah. Talk about sex. <laughs> George Michael. Every band. The enemy wants to convince you he owns it. He wants to convince you it's his. It's God's. God created it, God designed it, God owns it. It was God's command for husband and for wife. His original command, his original design. Watch this, this is 1 Corinthians 7, verse three, four and five. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Likewise, the wife to her husband. Watch this. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. 
There's only one place in the Bible where it talks about husbands and wives abstaining. And it's for their own personal prayer life. I got to tell you, I've done a lot of marriage counseling in my years. I've never heard any couple that was having issues spiritually and sexually say, yes, we abstain because we pray so much. I've never heard any wife say, yeah, I don't want to fulfill my duty. This scripture literally says, your body does not belong to you. Both goes both ways. You can look at your spouse, your, your spouse, you can say, all this is yours. And you're welcome. Doesn't belong to you. Your body's not your own. That's what the verse actually says. Your body is not your own. It goes both ways. And this sexual tension and issues and whatever, every relationship's different. Every person has a different appetites. Every person has a different amount or a different frequency or whatever. I had a young man come to me. He was struggling in his marriage. He was in his early 20s. And I said, and they were fighting, fighting, fighting. I said, what are you fighting about? He said, sex. I said, I get it. I, I said, just what, it's not enough? He goes, oh my God, no, she's driving me crazy. It's every day, all day, three times a day. I can't keep up. She's driving me nuts. I said, look, I really want you to stop talking right now and don't tell any other man you're having this issue because they'll punch you in the mouth. <laughs> he married someone that had a serious dysfunction. Major dysfunction. It destroyed their marriage. So everyone's different. Relationships are different, guys. We've got to figure out how to come together and to be unified and to have harmony and to recognize that my role, my job as a husband is to fulfill my wife and her, her job as a wife is to fulfill her husband. If we can both, guys, if we can both learn how to be selfless, if we can all learn how to be selfless, and not be about ourselves, we can have really great marriages. But it's when we're selfish, when it's what we want. It goes both ways, guys. If you have two selfless people who are trying their best to fulfill each other's needs, they won't have anything to fight about. But it's self-seeking, it's selfishness that's the problem. That's what the Lord said to me next. He said, be one in intimacy. Be fruitful and multiply. Have beautiful, wonderful sexual unity and create life like I do. Sex is mine. It's not dirty, sinful, or wrong. Watch. Inside of the container that I built for it, marriage is the container for sex. Number one way to ruin a dating relationship with someone you really love and care about is go ahead and have sex with them before you get married. It's the best way to destroy your relationship. You wanna know why? Because your dating relationship is not a container that can handle the heat of that sexual relationship. It would be like me having a, a glass or a metal container up here next to a plastic or styrofoam container and pour boiling water into both of them. One container is made to handle the intense heat and the other can only handle mild levels of heat. Boiling heat, 
Hot flame will destroy plastic or styrofoam. See, there's a major problem. This culture, we have a highly sexualized culture. Kids, are, kids think it's okay. Oh, we'll just move in together. We're not gonna have sex. We're just gonna move in together. Idiots. They're just dumb. I'm sorry, they're just dumb. That, that's like, that's like I, I'm, God, don't worry, I'm not gonna start a fire. I'm just gonna pour gasoline in a circle around my kitchen and start throwing matches in the air. Not, just dumb. And we have a culture that wants to act married before they get married. And so the result is marriage is on a massive decline. People aren't getting married. Why would they? They just act married. And then they destroy relationship after relationship after relationship. And finally, when they come to a place of being ready to make a commitment, they're so broken and fractured that they hobble along and limp through marriage because they're a fraction of who they used to be. Sex outside of marriage is the number one thing warned against inside of the Bible. It literally says, how can you take flaming coals and put them in your lap without getting burned? It says that the difference between, and listen, Scripture says that all sins are equal in the eyes of God. This is true. All, sin is sin is sin. But then it goes on to describe that sexual sin is different than any other type of sin because it's a sin against your own physical body. You bring a curse upon your own physical body. I'm just giving you the Bible. Just telling you what the Bible says. God says marriage is the container for sex. He went on to say this, marriage is holy. Sex inside of marriage is holy, beautiful, wonderful, and sacred. Sex is a gift. It's mine, God says. I own it. I created it. It's the symbol of the picture I desire with my children. Ultimate intimacy. Now, I'm not saying that you should see your relationship with God as this actual sexual. It's not about that. It's about the intimacy and the closeness. Now, for all you young folk in here, all of your parents want you to one day, when you're married, have a wonderful, incredible, beautiful, godly, fantastic, exciting sexual relationship with your spouse. Inside of marriage, sex is amazing. It's incredible. When two people love each other, they're committed to each other, they're gonna spend the rest of their lives each other, and they 100% give themselves to each other because they love God and they love each other. But the idea that you're gonna give yourself away to get love is a lie. The idea that if you can just get this, that it makes you more valuable, it's a lie. Commit your life to God, fall in love with God, allow God to show you your partner for life, 
and then align yourself with that partner for life and then celebrate and have a whole lot of fun inside of the container that God designed for sex to be inside of marriage. It's a beautiful thing. I've seen people that had horrific marriages and somehow they stayed married just because they found a way to be united sexually. And they were so good and so compatible in that way, they worked through lots of other issues. I was meeting with a gentleman, one of my mentors this week, because as a 45-year-old man, I was like, look, I've talked about sex in church a lot, but it was always with teenagers. It's, not, it's, it's almost, it feels like a taboo thing. People are not comfortable about this. But every show we watch, every song we listen, you cannot listen to a song on the radio without it being about sex. You can't watch a show. Every show. I'm like, oh, can't watch this show anymore. Turn this one off. It's all the world wants to talk about, but in the church, we're too prude. And God designed it. And he wants you to have fun inside of marriage. He wants you to have pleasure and joy inside of marriage. He wants you to be incredibly fulfilled inside of marriage. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all. That is, regarded as something of great value. And the marriage bed is to be kept undefiled. This is an amazing passage connecting marriage and the marriage bed and how important those two things are together. Keep it undefiled. That doesn't mean only do missionary. Is that, I'm sorry, is that too real? You can have all the fun you want to have as long as both people, it, A, it's only the two of you. That's what undefiled means. Don't bring anything or anyone else in. It's just the two of you. And you're both in agreement. Listen, anything that either one of you is not in agreement with, it's, it's, either, it's either not supposed to happen or it's not time yet. It needs to be an agreement. It needs to be about the other person. It's all about the other person. When it's all about the other person, both sides are happy. When it's all about just getting yours and what you want, nobody's going to be happy. Watch what he said next. Watch this. You're going to like this. This is what he said. Selfless sex is an agent of healing. Sexual healing is real. Come on, Marvin Gaye, we didn't even know. <laughs> Got all kinds of songs to sing today. Sexual healing is real. Watch what God says. I made this expression of intimacy to heal, unify, and restore my people. Don't let the devil own it. It's mine. I made it holy. Keep it holy unto me. Intimacy between husbands and wives is beautiful obedience to my original design. 
Sexual dysfunction, sexual abuse, and sexual weaponization and manipulation are demonic perversions of my intention. My design for sex and marriage is generous giving without any impure motives. Giving of one's all to satisfy the other fully and completely without ulterior motives. Can I tell you that Satan seeks to pervert God's plan? He wants to destroy God's plan. You go all the way back to the garden. I need to know what time it is. Is it time? I need to know what time it is. Okay, I'm okay. One more little part. We'll, we'll wrap this up and I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you today because I know, I know, I know, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that the enemy convinced that sex was, was dirty confusing, a weapon, something used against other people. And I believe that some people are going to be healed today in the service. God's going to heal you. He's going to set you free because you've been in bondage. You've been enslaved in your mind. The enemy has convinced you that something God made pure and holy and wonderful and beautiful for your marriage, the enemy has convinced you that it's something else. Genesis chapter three, I'm, I'm walking you literally through, through the, the whole original creation story. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman uh, said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, he said, you shall not eat of it. Watch this, nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that part. The original fall of mankind the problem inside of the marriage of mankind, there was a communication problem between Adam and Eve. And the communication problem between Adam and Eve allowed the devil to slip in. Either Adam didn't do a good enough job communicating, or Eve wasn't listening. She added to the message herself. We don't really know. But we know is that Adam wasn't protecting his wife from the devil. And she got tricked. And she ate of the fruit. And then she convinced her husband to try it too. And he ate of it. And their eyes were open. And they lost their, they lost their innocence. And all of a sudden they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. The original plot of the enemy was to bring shame and guilt into the marriage to ruin their intimacy. God made them naked and unashamed, gave them one command, make me some babies and have a good time doing it. And the enemy's mission was to bring shame, guilt, division, separation, disunity, he wants to destroy your marriage. And weaponized sexuality is one of the number one ways he does it. If he can convince you that it's his, he can destroy your relationship, destroy your marriage.
We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.